Hey, 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 hello, and welcome to another episode of Freddy Stat Go. I'm Freddy Airmail, bringing you uh, all the numbers and stats you need to know about all the football you're looking at. And I am joined once again, and as always, by my amazing uh, partner in crime here, Kyle Stathead Sheridan. How's it going, hello, Kyle? Hello. It's going. It's going. We're here. We're ready. We're here, and we are ready to talk about uh, something very timely, I think, for uh, this new episode of Freddy Stat Go. We're talking about college football today. We're going to be getting into uh, the recent results of the Heisman Trophy voting. We're going to be talking about some of the uh, bowl games that are upcoming as we're getting into bowl season. We're also going to be digging into the uh, uh, the the impending finishes to the postseasons of other divisions of football. So we're going to be getting into, you know, FCS, Division Two, Division Three, NAIA. We've got a lot of stuff for you guys. Uh, are you excited, Kyle? Oh, I'm I'm here for it. I'm I'm ready. It's bowl season, baby. This, this is this is uh this is the pinnacle of every college football season. Um but on the note of the pinnacle of college football. We do want to say before we get started on anything else that we have for you guys today, uh, we wanted to mention uh, Mike Leach, uh, a a prominent head coach in college football who is one of the progenitors of the air raid offensive scheme. uh, What we know right now is that he's had a medical emergency at his home and is currently in critical condition. I don't. I don't want us to get into speculating or uh, possibly falling for untrue rumors, but uh, we do know that he's had a medical emergency. Uh, Things things like this are things like this are bigger than football. You know, it don't matter if you're a Bulldogs fan or not. It don't matter. You don't want to see anybody in the sport get hurt, Um, and a coach that's really doing things for the program um, that is as respected. It seems, you know, just by checking the interwebs loved by, you know, his peers, we really just want, you know, Mike Leach to pull through whatever's going on. It doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. What matters is we want, we, we wish, you know, we want him to fight through it and to be okay. I couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. We wanted to just make sure that we, we put that out there first. Um, He's he's been a great coach for a long time, uh, a great offensive mind, and we we wanted to to make sure that people know that our thoughts are with with him and his family and the Mississippi State uh, football family. Um, yeah. But now uh, we have uh, something to talk about. That uh, just this past weekend we found out who won the 2022 Heisman Trophy. And we also found out uh, the full top 10. Mm. And if you thought, I mean, if you thought the Heisman was becoming a quarterback award, uh, and and this this year is something to point to for sure. We know the top 10 and eight of them were quarterbacks. Yeah. uh, At the very bottom, very bottom, we have uh, North Carolina's quarterback Drake May with an, a, an astounding 
42 votes. 42 um, votes. Uh, I think, you know, uh, May is one of the couple of guys on here that I don't think, I mean, he's he's not eligible to declare for the draft. Um, yeah. He was one of the yeah. top quarterbacks. Yeah. He was. He, it's only a second year. He's and he's one of the top quarterbacks from his class, along with someone I, else that we're going to be getting to. Keep keep and him on the radar. Four thousand yards, thirty five touchdowns, only seven interceptions. Keep keep him on your radar for sure for like Heisman's to come. Oh yeah, he will. He will definitely be one of the the top contenders uh, going into twenty twenty three. This next one. This next one doesn't surprise me. This next guy's got. He was doing work. And that's uh, you may know how to pronounce this better than me. Beyond Bijan, Robinson, Bijan, Bijan Robinson, seventy-five. And you know, you know how you can be second. sure of that. Yeah. Uh, because of NIL, because of name, image, and likeness uh, rules that have, that have been introduced into college football, Bijan Robinson now has his own line of Dijon mustard. That's beautiful. So you can and remember also... that those things rhyme. If uh if he breaks away on a big run, Bijan be gone. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I believe I believe the, the mustard has all kinds of fun taglines like it's a touchdown in your mouth. It's a touchdown. Eight it sounds touchdowns. like a, sounds like a, something that uh Josh McCuga would pull out uh Oh I'm uh, sure Josh you give, you give you give Josh McCuga Bijan Robinson, he's gonna have like sixty nicknames by the end of the day. Oh. That's a guarantee. Yes. 1,500 uh, yards rushing, 18 touchdowns. I, I, I like the guy. He's, oh, yeah. he's draft eligible, right? Yes. And he's, yeah. he's probably going to be one of the top running backs. He's one of the two not quarterbacks in this top 10. And he's, they're both running backs. Uh, and I think... This next one is a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't see this one coming. Michael Penix from Washington with 114 votes. The th- the thing about Penix, he he's actually uh, the FBS leader in um, in passing yards right now. Um, oh, he has forty three hundred passing yards, and he only played twelve games. Some of these guys on you know up up the top near him played uh-huh. thirteen games already, and so he he transferred over from Indiana. Uh, he followed. They hired away, I think, the Indiana offensive coordinator to be the new head coach at Washington, and he yeah. he followed that, and he's been he's been flourishing, honestly, yeah. uh, in a way that um, I, I think my brother is jealous of as an IU grad. He he really wishes that you know that could have come out a little bit more uh, over at IU, although injuries also also played a role in the last couple of years for Penix. 29 touchdowns to only seven interceptions. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then the next guy, I'm actually kind of upset. He's spaghetti. He's not even in the top five. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the injury oh, yeah. had anything to do with it. Blake Corum from Michigan, 125 votes. Blake Corum was having a monster of a year. Even on his down games, he still was like top. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to look at just the stance, I think some people might be a little confused because they don't immediately pop off as like the best running back stance you've ever seen, but he is consistent. He is consistently putting in hundred yard games. And um, like, I, I think I've said before on this very show that I don't, that, that efficiency or that volume and 
consistency are things I, I, I champion more in a running back than, than uh, if, if I were looking from, at another position. From September 24th to November 19th, that is eight straight 100-plus yard running games, 200 against Maryland. And then the week before against the U- UConn, five touchdowns. I mean, in a game. Like, that's... That's right. That's insanity. Uh, like, I think he should have been higher. I also think Robinson probably should have been higher. We get to, yeah. uh, I think a guy, we're going to see a lot of this with the top you know, uh, what, what, six. Before picks. we get out of quorum, I think yeah. if you look at the three, so it, it, the, the streak of 100 plus yard games that he had started at the fourth game of the season, the first three games that Michigan played were against Colorado State, Hawaii, and Connecticut. Uh, UConn, and I think I'm going to guess that since all of those were blowout runaway games for Michigan, that they sat him just to be safe, not worrying about you know if he was going to get to 100 yards, if he was going to put up good stats and help raise his draft stock. I think most of that was already there, and they he could have gone for probably 200 on all of them if they really wanted that. And so the next guy. On this list okay. is someone who already has a Heisman. Yeah, that would be I, quarterback Bryce Young out of Alabama. One hundred and forty-one points. Uh, this is where we start to get into what I'm deeming a lot of hype, a lot of, oh, yeah. a lot of hype. Like Alabama had arguably one of their worst years, which is they mm-hmm. still were ten and two, but like <laughs> they lost a lot of close games. Bryce Young, you know, was not his Heisman self no. um, still a great quarterback though. Like definitely still look at this guy in the upcoming draft, but like oh, yeah. this was a down year and that happens if, and that's not a bad if, thing. If a quarterback who didn't already have a Heisman and wasn't already considered a first round prospect for the draft, put up this stat line and did what Bryce young did this year. They're not top 10 in this vote. Yeah. I, I think I, that, I, that I, really helped him. I think, like, again, Heisman's really becoming more of a quarterback position. Bryce Young's on Alabama. I think there's a lot of hype that carried those votes, but that does that should not take away from Bryce Young's capability. Uh, uh, with, next guy. With, with, well, with these eight guys, when yeah. I plug them into my usual quarterback al- algorithm that I've talked about on this show before, with these eight guys, uh, Bryce Young is last. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is uh, he only played 11 games. He missed a game at one point. And I think if you take out that factor, he's maybe seventh out of these eight. Um, but I think, you know, obviously these people aren't just looking at the stats and neither are we, we are, we are accounting for the stats, but we're not, we're not saying just look at the paper don't, and don't watch the games. Yeah. Um, do both. But um he d- he didn't have the same kind of impressive season that he did last year. Yeah, and that's okay. I don't think that really hurt his draft stock either. I think it's you know other mm-hmm. people it was their time to shine. Um, coming in at the number five position, this guy had a lot of hype. I think in the middle of the season, and then he got mm-hmm. hurt. And that's Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, two hundred twenty six votes. Pretty good year. Oh, yeah. Pretty good year. I you know by, can't can't by complain. The same- by the same token, if I throw him into this algorithm, he's 
on top if I take out the the games played measure. I I I think he's a guy. I don't know. I don't know if like is he what year is he? Is he a junior or a senior? He's he's draft eligible, I know. Um He's a senior, so he's probably going to go in the draft. I say He's been around for a while because he was at Virginia Tech for quite a bit before uh, transferring to Tennessee, I think, ahead of last year. Um, I definitely see him as kind of like, much like uh, Anthony Richardson, um, mm-hmm. kind of like a project. Take him on, develop him a bit, like, and then put him in. I don't think he's as plug-and-play as some of the other guys, right. but I think he's definitely shown a lot, especially with this year, that okay. he's got great potential, and I definitely been- want to see him. He's been very efficient, um, at least in terms of not turning the ball over. Oh, um, yeah. I, and I mobile think... Mobile, too? Yes. Um, I think what worked, what, what ended up hurting him in favor of uh, especially Young and someone else in the top four is that he didn't have the same hype going into the season. I think yeah. people who were looking at stats were, were, were seeing the potential but people who are saying he's a quarterback on a on a team that I think went seven and five in the regular season last year, it, it was in the, it was in that neighborhood that Tennessee was. Um, I don't think I don't think he. It, it was hard to make up that ground, and I right. think uh, and, and I think uh, him him getting hurt definitely didn't help in the same way that it appears to have uh, hurt Quorum in the voting of it. So now we get into the top four. These were the four, all quarterbacks, all at the ceremony. Uh, the names everyone's talking about. Number four, Georgia's Stetson Bennett with only 349 votes. Um, I'm, I'm sadly unsurprised. Yeah. Um, uh, this, this, is the, this is what I meant when I said that uh, someone, someone other than Young was, was getting preseason hype, and it's because... You know, I I don't want to take away from the other aspects of the Heisman stuff like leadership and, and the community aspect. And to be a leader on a team that is coming off a national championship and is currently 13-0 and is the number one seed going into this next playoff, uh, that definitely takes something big that you don't find in a whole lot of people. Um, at the same time, you have with Stetson Bennett a good team all around him because this is a team sport. And so yep. teams succeed on their ability to play as a team, believe it or not. And so you could say, yeah, Stetson Bennett didn't have to do a whole lot because he has this other this team around him. And so their strengths meant that he didn't have to show off his strengths in the same way that some of these other guys did that that they had to that they had to carry their teams a little bit more than than Bennett did but you can't give Stetson Bennett credit for things he didn't do simply because he didn't have to do them you can't just say he would have been able to do those things if he had been pressed into that role yeah i i i agree i think stetson is someone that i and I think he's a good leader. I think he's got he's consistent. Um, and this is not a dig on him. I think he's a Kirk Cousins kind of guy. Mm. I don't I don't think he's flashy. I think he's solid. I think he he you don't need him to be great. You just need him to play well. 
uh, especially if the team around him is good. He, I think you can plug him in to a system that already has great players, but just needs that final, like consistent quarterback. And I think he providing that consistency in its own way is great. I think there's not as much flash. There's not as much leaning on him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what Georgia does well is they spread out the workload, but I can't say I'm surprised that he's fourth. In terms Uh, of all of touchdown passes, touchdown pass percentage, and total yards per game, both between passing and rushing, uh, Stetson Bennett was on the bottom of these eight quarterbacks in all those categories. I think that that helps illustrate the point that he had a good team around him to a greater extent than any of these other seven quarterbacks. Yeah. Next so is the guy number three. All the hype. This, this was Mr. Hype. Oh, yeah. this was this was the guy that people were saying, you know, it, that that he 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 was he was on top of the, the betting. People were saying that he should have won the Heisman last year. And that would be Ohio State's quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who got uh, 539 points in this voting. Yep. Um, I think ah. he, he definitely didn't have the, the season that he had last year in the same way that no, Bryce Young I, did. And I don't, think, I don't think you had a super standout quarterback this year in the same way that you had it last year and in some years prior. Um, I... He he dropped off, but I also look at OSU, which let's be honest, Ohio State's kind of the wide receiver university. Mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison yeah. is a name that just immediately jumps off the page. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Amika, like you got all these great guys that are just stepping up. Um, even on a down year with Jackson Smith, who is uh, you know eligible for the draft, mm-hmm. like you got you, they have a lot of talent at wideout. Oh, yeah. Um, that just CJ can play with. So it's almost a little disappointing that oh, yeah. he he's not, you know, like I'm not expecting 4,000 yards, but like still a drop-off is a drop-off. And I think a lot of the hype really like hurt him more than anything. I think he's still going to be one of your top guys. I would hope teams kind of give him space a bit when they draft him. Mm-hmm. Like, let him really come into his own. Like, I, I, I want to say, like, and, a uh, team that can he can learn from somebody. Like, honestly, the, the Seahawks would be great. Have him learn from mm-hmm. Gino. I think oh, yeah. that'd be really great if he follows that far, which I don't think he's gonna. Um, put him in a good situation. Like, let him, uh, like, learn a bit. And then, bam, bam, boom. I think he'll be great. Definitely year two. I think the way he performed this year with injuries to guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson. Uh, I think the the fact that he still performed to a, a solid level speaks to, you know, his ability. And then also to the, the depth that a team like Ohio state can recruit and develop. Um, and so like Bryce young, I don't think that this step back, in his in his year and in his Heisman uh, finish, that doesn't that that shouldn't hurt his draft stock too much. Like like you were saying, yeah. Um, but at the same time, the two guys ahead of him really stood out, and I think 
most of the debates I saw were revolving around these two guys for oh yeah the, for the for the Heisman Trophy, and so I'll just say them together because that's that's where the debate has has gone on. Right. The runner up for the Heisman Trophy in 2022 was Max Duggan, quarterback out of TCU, with 1,420 votes, but the winner was USC quarterback Caleb Williams with 2,031 votes or points. Um, I mean, it, it was, it was, it, 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 it was a closer vote than I think it's been in a while. Yeah. I, I believe is what I saw, uh, at least between the gap between one and two. I, I've seen a lot. So I like Max Duggan because I always like the underdog. I always like, like, I didn't see PCU doing this at all, going the stretch that they went. Um, Both these guys very passionate about the game. I think Caleb Williams to go from Oklahoma over to USC and just ball out. I think Mm -hmm. that's why I think there's a lot of hype around him. I know there's a lot of stuff surrounding, you know, uh, any off field antics, any, like some technique stuff, but I think, you know, Caleb Williams is only mm-hmm. a sophomore. Okay. I think he can really refine that stuff. And I think come when he's draft eligible, I think mm-hmm. he has the potential to be a day one starter. He has the potential to be that guy that you can just put in anywhere and he'll, he'll figure it out. He'll learn. But I think he's got smaller stuff to, you know, fo- focus on and refine, but it does make sense. This is a guy that was hyped, but you look at, I think Max Duggan, I think it's the tale of two different quarterbacks, really. Caleb Williams, big arm, big personality, goes out there, makes amazing things happen with not just with his arm, but with his legs. And Max Duggan, he's consistent. He's just, he's, he's not quite Stenson Bennett. I think he's got just as, if not more fire in his gut than Stenson. I think he is willing to put every. I could see Max, I, you know, he's not a big rusher, but I could see Max being kind of like what Josh Allen is to the Bills. Oh, yeah. You know, or what Stafford, Stafford's a great example, actually. <laughs> Matthew Stafford, you remember Stafford's rookie year, um, that mm-hmm. game against the Browns, he dislocated his shoulder, immediately popped it back in, ran out into the field. That's the energy I get from Duggan. That's the, that's the grit, yeah. That's that grit. I think Caleb um, Williams has got that in a different, I think Williams has more of a Newton-esque, like not just play style, but also like he's he he's got the flash, but like I think he's definitely I think he could be better than Cam Newton if he gets everything like squared away. I think he could be something special. But I there's mean, just I've a seen, lot of like debate around him right now. I've seen uh comparisons to Patrick Mahomes lately that uh Ooh, I can okay. I can I can see where they're coming from in terms of like improvisation and like yeah, popping out a quick pass at, at basically the line of scrimmage to some guy who just got open. I um, really hope I can went. see that. Um, the funny yeah. thing is, is that in years like way past, I'm talking like 50 years ago. This is a situation where I believe with OJ Simpson the year before he won the Heisman and much much earlier than other stuff. Yeah, 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 the other stuff. Um, he was the runner up for Heisman as an underclassman to someone who was a senior, I think. Um, and I think that the, the, the basis for that in the minds of some of the voters was 
OJ Simpson will have his chance next year because he's guaranteed to still be in school at that point. So we will pass on him for now and let him win the Heisman next year if he's still up to snuff. And they gave it to the other guy. What uh, I really love um, when I'm looking at the stat sheet for the uh, USC, right? And mm-hmm. why I think it, it, they didn't have a single receiver over a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Which, but they had a quarterback that threw for over four thousand yards and thirty-seven touchdowns. Which means that 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 man's spreading the ball out. He's sharing the love all over the place, you know. And I think that's something that you want. That's something that, like, I, I like you said, a Mahomes-esque kind of like doesn't matter who's getting the ball. He's gonna put your the team in a position to win. When you look at TCU, they had Kendra Miller going for over a thousand yards rushing. You have Quentin Johnston, who I think is a top draft pick at receiver i think he's mm. great um still spreading it out though no one over a thousand mm. but i think at usc they really spread the ball out and i think that's the inherent difference of max Doug- duggan will like fight for any team give it all mm. i would i think honestly I'll, like i like i said stafford but then you get caleb williams out here spreading the ball around doesn't matter who's on the team doesn't matter you know, if you're that third string running back or that, you know, fourth string wide receiver, as long as you can catch the ball and you can do your route and get open, Caleb's going to give it to you. I like, I like the, I like no favoritism. I like right. what he's, he's doing. I mean, on, on a personal level, I was really rooting for Duggan. Uh, oh the, yeah. The, me too. The, the, the obvious, the obvious reason being that I'm a Notre Dame fan um, and, and USC, I would, you know, you, you'd expect me to be cheering against USC. But also, um, just cheering for a guy out of Western Iowa, which is also where my mom's family is from, uh, would have been a really cool story to see unfold. But, I mean, he still got second. Yeah. Um, I know no one wants to be second, but that's more than hey, almost that's everyone chip. else in the world can say. It's a chip uh, on his shoulder. He didn't absolutely. win. And that's going to drive him, and it's going to push him. And I think he's the kind of guy that's going to take that little bit and run with it. I, and I'd love to see where he runs with it from here. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, you know, he's he's had seasons before where he was pretty good for TCU. He was, he was good for them last year, but overall they didn't have a good season. Um, and then he, he, he actually lost out the starting job initially. Uh, for this season to Chandler Morris. Uh, but Morris got hurt and Duggan emerged as, you know, far above just replacement level. And I think that's really cool. And I can't wait to see where that goes. Uh, the, the, the first place that it's going from here is the college football playoff, because despite Ooh. losing the Big 12 championship game, TCU hung on to the three spot and they will be playing... Uh, in the uh, Fiesta Bowl, I believe. It be is, uh, yep, it is the Fiesta Bowl against the undefeated Michigan Wolverines. Michigan Wolverines. That's the that's the three versus two game. Uh, to to round out the New Year's Six, we have uh, number one Georgia with Stetson mm. Bennett playing uh, C.J. Stroud's number four Ohio State Buckeyes. So, uh, plenty of Heisman representation up oh. in that top four and oh, yeah. then the new year six which is kind of a, a misnomer or a euphemism for uh 
the best six bowl games in the country. Uh, rounding that out on December 30th, we have the Orange Bowl between the number seven uh, Clemson Tigers and the number six Tennessee Volunteers. Yep. On the same day as those those playoff semifinals on New Year's Eve, we have the Sugar Bowl at noon Eastern. That will see the number nine Big 12 champion Kansas State Wildcats playing number five Alabama, the Crimson Tide. And then a couple days later, because New Year's Day is on a Sunday this year, we get the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl on January 2nd. Uh, the Rose Bowl will see the number 11 Penn State Nittany Lions playing the number eight Pac-12 champion Utah Utes. Uh, and a little bit before that, on the same day, we had the Cotton Bowl Classic, where the number 10 USC Trojans, with their Heisman-winning quarterback, will take on the number 16 Tulane Green Wave, the group of five representation uh, in this year's New Year's Six. So my first question, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm going to pose this to you. Do you think they got the top four right this year? I do. I do. I I don't think there was any way Georgia, Michigan, and TCU miss it. Um, I know TCU has a loss now, um, but they, they were undefeated. They were all of them were twelve and zero, and now only two are thirteen and zero, and one is obviously twelve and one. But I don't think there was any way those three could have like made it out. I. I mean, I like the chaos of the number four spot that happened because we had USC was in there. There was a way Alabama could make it in. Um, And then you have Ohio State in there. And I think this lineup, these four teams spell out for very, very exciting playoffs because I'm already thinking championship. I'm already thinking of the different different, uh, matchups we could get. We could get. Michigan, Ohio State for the championship. And that one, we might as well call the Blood Bowl. That one's hands are being thrown. People are getting hurt. Like, that's a rivalry, especially after that last meetup. Those two are going to go ham. And that's good TV. Like, everything about that, like, would be insane. Um, I hope no one actually gets hurt, though. But, like, um, I think Georgia, Michigan would just be two powerhouses. I think Georgia TCU would be David and Goliath. Georgia is this stacked team, and then TCU I still think is the surprise. Um, I and you know, alternatively, Ohio State TCU. I think that'd be the less exciting one, but I do think it would be like again. I think every opportunity right now for Duggan is a chance to prove the voters wrong. I think everything they do uh, is something that they could like. He could, you know, prove himself. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and we we've we've seen it in years past that uh, that uh, that uh, <laughs> some of the games don't go the way you would expect based on the Heisman voting. But I think uh, they got this top four right. And on another note, I'm I'm glad that the New Year's six teams are basically the top eleven plus Tulane. Um. I, I, I'm glad that I it worked that out that way. Hmm? I said I love that for Tulane. That's another team like, wow! I didn't, I, I, I didn't see Tulane. The Green Waves making it. Um, they were two and ten last year. And imagine if they beat upset Heisman led USC. They uh, USC was already upset by the Utah Utes, and now like Tulane has that twice. Chance. 
They yeah. can. That's the thing. Like, how? Massive. Here's a great question. What would it do to Caleb Williams' hype, potential draft stock, whatever you want to call it, if going into the Cotton Bowl they don't win? What like what do you think that would do for him? Like how the, everyone sees him. I feel like it would maybe put another chip on his shoulder to go out and win big next year because you know he's still got another year. Yeah. Um. Uh. But but not to get too far away from that that first question about the top four. I also yeah. think they got it right, and I think some people will argue. You know. I I think. It, it did work out nicely. I think some people might argue, you know, USC had to play a 13th game and Ohio State did and Ohio State kind of backed into it. I don't care. I think they got, in the end, the best, the most deserving four uh, out of out of how everything went up to that point. Um, and from what I from what I know, the committee makes a distinction between the best teams and the most deserving teams, uh, which which kind of plays into the way I see things, like from an analytic standpoint. I think it works better if we look a little bit at last year instead. Um, so to refresh you guys, last year the the four teams that were in were, I believe it was Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati. Cincinnati yep. made it in as an undefeated American Athletic Conference champion. Um, and on the basis of that, on the basis of them being an undefeated conference champion with a high-quality win against Notre Dame, uh, they were considered one of the top four deserving teams. But if you look at uh, some of the analytics of it, I, I believe even going into that game that Cincinnati wouldn't have been favored against some of the teams that were left out to put them in. And so there's, there's a distinction there. And I think this year it lined up pretty nicely where the most deserving four teams were probably also the best four that they could have chosen. Maybe you could say um, on the basis that TCU, a lot of their games, especially down the stretch, especially once they got into big 12 play were very close games. Some of them, they, they could have lost if, you know, only one thing goes differently. But I think there's there's definitely something to be said for winning close games, even if it doesn't necessarily inspire confidence down the road that people will, that teams will be able to continue winning those close games. That's not usually a, a strategy that you bank on is consistently winning yeah. close games. But it did work out for them for their first 12 games. And then they... Even their last game that they lost was a hard-fought overtime loss um, that I think is, is ultimately what helped them stay in the playoff and, and keep that three seed was how hard-fought that game was at the end compared to how Ohio State looked at the end of their most recent game against Michigan. They really fell apart and, and gave up some big plays that ended up being the difference for Michigan. And so I think they got the top four right. And based based on what I was just saying, they got the order of the top four right. Um, and one of the things that, that I, I hate when people do is we can't use the results that we get 
later on to relitigate this. Based on what's happened up to this point, this is the right order for these teams. And if if Ohio State goes and blows out Georgia, that doesn't change that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, let's talk about what we think is going to happen with some of these games. And we're going to save the playoff for last. Okay. So let's talk about the Orange Bowl. That is Clemson and Tennessee this year. So it's it's a very Orange Bowl. Yeah. I think, um, uh, first of all, I think they need to be both in orange jerseys. I think we really need to play up the orange aspect. I think that'd be a lot of fun. You're an uh, FCF fan. You should know that's a bad idea. Uh, yeah, but like, hey, we survived though, 8 Oki versus KOB. Even though orange is the opposite of blue. We 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 absolutely made it through that. I think it'd be funny as hell. Like I think we should have it. Um, no, I I Hendon, uh, Hooker's still hurt, right? Hooker's out for the year. Yeah, uh, I I think I with knowing that it's gonna be tough for Tennessee. Uh, I I I I am skeptical of you know a, a hookerless um offense but i i i think i'm leaning clemson more on this one like yeah i think i just i think it's you know they don't stats wise you know they're not wowing you but they got something special in will shapely i think with hooker down, like you're, you had a little bit of a, a disadvantage there. You're relying on, you know, your number two, I, Joe Milton. That's right. And um, it's like, okay. The analytics right now are tending to still side with Tennessee if, if they're looking at the whole season. But I think for the, for the reasons that you pointed out, Tennessee is going to have a tough battle. And I think also, uh, these numbers are still not quite caught up to the quarterback change that Clemson made. Uh, mm. the, the quarterback that they started the season with, DJ Uyunglele, has entered the transfer portal. He will he won't be playing for Clemson, and that's because he's been getting benched a lot of these last few games for Keg Klubnik, who is might be a true freshman. I think he's he's at least a redshirt freshman, if if not a true freshman. But he's been he's been lighting things up when he's been in. Um, and so I think with that in mind, it's at least going to be closer than I think some of these numbers are seeing. Oh yeah. Uh, I th- I think it's going to come down to the running game for sure, because I know that's like a common strategy when, mm-hmm. you know, your, your main quarterbacks out, but I think, right. and defense. And I think, Ooh, like, I think Clemson's got of the better defense. They got the better running game. I mm-hmm. think even with that new kid in there, like you said, he's been lighting it up. I think Clemson's going to just, you know, they're more orange than than Tennessee. At the very least, it suggests that their options are, are they, they they have a better set of options than Tennessee has. Yeah, they, I feel like they were more prepared. More of an edge than than some of the, the numbers would suggest that haven't quite caught up to things yet. Yep. Uh, Next uh, is the Sugar Bowl, which is the day after that. Uh, and that is Kansas State versus Alabama. 
man, um, it, it's it's hard to pick against Alabama, but I think, I mean, Kansas State has a path, of course. What would you say? I I think this is an important game for Alabama. I think this is more important to them than a national championship because this game is going to tell us, it's going to tell the whole football world whether or not uh, the, 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 the Alabama being an ungodly dominant force is over. Um, I, I think they need this. And I, I Kansas State's not just like some two-bit team either. Like they are a respectable challenge in the way they beat they beat uh, TCU, didn't they? Right. Yes. Yeah. They beat TCU when it mattered. So now it's them against Alabama, and I think the Wildcats can really give it to them. Um, I think we're gonna need to see Bryce Young at their best, Gibbs at his best, everybody on the receiving court. Like I, I, I we need everybody at their best and to bring it. Like, I think this is like, this is going to be a fight. I think this one's going to come down. This is going to be like a one to three score game. Like low, it's going to be, I think either, I think it's going to be tight. I can't even, I can't even determine whether or not it'll be defensively main or offensively. I think it is two, one team that needs to prove that, especially with a coach that is older, needs to prove that he's still got it. And you got Kansas State who like have showed that they have what it takes. They can run with mm. the big dogs. Oh yeah. And I, I think that this is them, you know, they they put a W over Alabama. People are gonna take them seriously going into the next year. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean Kansas State is a ten and three team, but those three losses, you know, anyone could have lost. It was their original game against TCU. Their game versus Texas, which Texas is, by by some of the deeper numbers, a better team than a lot of te- people are giving them credit for. And Kansas State's first loss of the year was Tulane. Yep. All all ranked teams. All ranked teams, two of them in, in the, the, the New Year's Six, along with Kansas State. And so, and their head coach was the head coach at North Dakota State for, for a while, a, a, an FCS powerhouse, and we're going to be talking about North Dakota state a little bit later as well. Um, I I'm, I'm going to pull for Alabama just because I'm kind of a Bama dude. I it's a pipeline to the Patriots, but I also like, I don't want to, you know, you count out somebody like that. Like you, yeah, you kind of works against. Yeah. Kansas state has been running kind of, kind of a two quarterback system in a sense that, they, they started the year with a transfer from Nebraska, Adrian Martinez. Uh, and he's been hurt off and on, but he's, he's a, he's a good running quarterback, but they've, they've put in uh, Will Howard, who is a great passing quarterback. And I think that has, uh, I think that has given them an edge on some teams. It's not necessarily knowing who to prepare for. And so I'm going to agree in that. I think Alabama should be favored in this one, but like the last one, I, I think it, it should be close. You know, if, if nothing unexpected emerges, I think, Oh yeah, this It'll is going to be, be a closer game than I think people are maybe anticipating again, because Kansas state lost three games, but they're, they're big 12 champions and the big 12 is a better conference. than I think a lot of people are giving them credit for. 
Um, they went something like 25 and five out of conference, I want to say this year. And so they've been kind of cannibalizing the midsection of, of their teams. And I'm going to be talking about one of those teams a little bit later on. Um, and so it's a lot of good teams that are like real close to each other that are not letting most of them get an edge on the rest of them. And, you know, until, until the conference championship TCU had escaped that sometimes by the skin of their teeth. Um, and, and so that's, I think that that speaks again to why they deserve to remain in the, in the playoff with a loss. Um, the next game I want to talk about is the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. That would be Penn State versus Utah. This is a tough one. Um, I, I think, and these these are these are two teams with a lot of good stuff. I think, you know, Penn State kind of dipped a little bit in the in the rankings in the final rankings. They were number eleven. They were kind of. I guess that they, they, you wouldn't say they were the last team in, but they were they were on the edge. Um, if if like if USC had won their championship, then then Penn State isn't in the Rose Bowl. Um, I, I'd say this might be the toughest of of these four not playoff games to project. I I think I have a prediction for this. Um okay. and, I, and this is just I guess a feeling you could say um mm -hmm. I think you Utah is going to take it. And I say that mm -hmm. because I think Utah's been very much given off that vibe to me of like mm -hmm. grit. You know, we were talking about earlier, but I just get that that everyone's been counting them out. No one's talked about it. like I don't I I don't see a lot of Utah talk. You know, no. I see I see more Penn State talk than Utah talk. And I know Penn State is very like a defensive oriented team, but mm -hmm. I think they're going to like, again, it's going to be like two Rams bashing against each other. And I think Utah is just going to give them mm -hmm. the business. I think I think Cam yeah. can do some stuff. I, I think. Rising, the fact, yeah. yeah, I think they can. I think they can really pull it off. I wouldn't even call it an upset. Like mm -hmm. I, I look at these two teams and I just think Utah's better. I think Utah's hungrier. I think Utah is 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 dirtier. You know, they they <laughs> they they want to get it, and I think they're gonna yeah. get it. Yeah. The other the other five games in the New Year Six, I have a winner projected by at least three points. Here I'm projecting Utah by about one, by actually mm. less than one. Um. And it, it's it's weird how now two years in a row, Utah has been underestimated throughout most of the regular season, but has gone on to beat a team in the regular season and then beat them again in the conference championship. They did that last year with Oregon, and now they've done it with USC. Beat um, a Heisman winner. <clears throat> oh, yeah. The Heisman winner. Yeah. I, I, and last year they beat a guy who is now possibly going to be the starting quarterback for the Ravens in Anthony Brown. If, uh, if Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley aren't good to go next week. Um, 
I mean, he's he's no Caleb Williams, but uh, he's he's still in the NFL. He's still in the NFL. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think if Utah starts to show what they showed Caleb Williams with their defense, you know, people people are saying that you know USC ended up losing because Caleb Williams got dinged up and hurt toward the end of, or, or probably probably closer to the middle of that game. But it was the defense that did that. And I think if they can do that to, to Caleb Williams, they can sure as hell do it to Sean Clifford. Um, I, and I think Cam Rising, as you were, you were kind of alluding to, has, has an X factor that I don't think Clifford has. And so Utah has an edge there. Um, but again, I, I'm not going to be too surprised if this ends up being a, another close game. Oh yeah, I think we got um, like a good string of bowl games going. I think oh, it's yeah. going to be a lot of like hard fought. I'd there, be there have been blowout. There have been games before that ended up being blowouts, and you could kind of see them coming, going in. Um, oh yeah, I, I, and we at least don't have that that appearance with these games at this point. That doesn't mean they can't be blowouts. That doesn't mean that things can't change as those games unfold. Um, but there's at least something that right right now seems to be exciting. Um, and another exciting and interesting is the one is the Cotton Bowl, which we talked a little bit about yep. earlier, which is USC versus the Tulane Green Wave. Um. I mean, the, the the thing about the group of five this year is that that it took a long time, um, actually, for Tulane to emerge as my as my pick to to get out of there. Um, for a long time, I was saying it would be you know maybe UCF or Cincinnati or you know someone from the Mountain West, but then the Mountain West turned out to be pretty bad this year. Um, a couple other teams that we're going to get to in a bit. We're also kind of uh, contending for that spot, but I think the committee showed that uh, I, I think what really helped was Tulane's early season win over Kansas State. I think that really helped them and and their their conference mates really stay in it uh, when other when other conferences didn't really have a team that was emerging as that option. Um, so basically what that boils down to is I think this was maybe kind of a down year for the group of five in terms of there's, there's no undefeated or one lost champions that got out of there. Um, that doesn't mean that Tulane doesn't deserve credit because as I mentioned, they went from two and 10 to 11 and two in the span of a year. Uh, teams don't usually do that, but I, if there's one one of these games that I I'm, that I, I would say I'm maybe worried about getting out of hand early, it's this one. I look at this game and I think to myself, this is a trap game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's very easy for USC to get overconfident. <laughs> I think it's very easy for them to fall in the oh well, it's just Tulane. 
And I think Tulane's going to match and it like come in with an energy of like, like you said, no one really thinks, oh, you know, that, I definitely, I definitely see Tulane bringing the energy. Um, I, I, I think, think they're going to really give it to USC early and then stay consistent. And I think, honestly, I think this, I, I, again, it's kind of an upset, but also is it like, mm-hmm. I think Tulane's really going to give it to USC. I mean, the reason the reason I don't see it as too much of a trap game is because I don't feel like there's as much to look ahead to as some other, you know, obvious trap games would 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 get you. Like uh like when TCU almost lost to Baylor and they they miraculously ran out for a field goal as time was running down and kicked it and beat Baylor. Um that that was something where I was saying, you know. TCU beat a team that I I had favored against them, which was Texas, and Baylor had just gotten blown out by a team that I wasn't seeing that for. And so that kind of widened a gap that I saw as pretty close going in. But I was like, you know, that might just be the numbers moving in a way that we, we should hold off on. That the numbers are moving too much for what you would you would kind of intuit for that situation. Um, but basically. Um, I don't, I don't see it as, as much of a trap game for USC, but, and I'm, I'm not even saying that I'm guaranteeing that there'll be a blowout here, but I think I, I, I favor USC pretty strongly in this one. That's fair. Um, so finally we have the college football playoff, which again, we have number one Georgia versus number four Ohio State in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, uh, not at Pullman Yards, but uh, at, at the Falcon Stadium at Mercedes Benz. And then we have two versus three Michigan versus TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. And so I think I think it might surprise some people. Um, it, it won't surprise people if I say that I think. The top two teams are my favorites to make it out of here. It might surprise people, though, to hear that Ohio State I have as a more likely upset than TCU over Michigan. Ooh. And I think in in the same way that uh, if you if you go to a place like ESPN Bowl Mania, where people are picking these games against groups of friends and uh, putting points on them. Most people are picking the winner of Georgia, Ohio State to win the national championship. And I guess you could say that's because maybe a lot of those people have Georgia winning. But, you know, I think. What are your thoughts on this one? I think Georgia is the easy pick. I think Georgia winning it at all is a very easy pick. It's also not a wrong pick. I think it's believable when you look at the playoffs to be like, oh, well, of course, Georgia's going to go all the way. They've looked mm-hmm. borderline unstoppable for like all of the year. They've looked deadly even. And they got mm-hmm. so many people that like could arguably be drafted right now. Um I think Michigan and TCU is going to be much more of a fight than people give it credit for. Um, And I think of the matchups that I brought up earlier, the one I want to see the most is I want to see Ohio state, Michigan, 
Um, I just that would be so much fun. I don't care who wins that okay. fight. No, I, no, I did. I win. Yeah. The fo- football fans win if it's Michigan, Ohio State in the in the championship. That's who wins. We all win if that happens. Um, of all the times recently that we've gotten two teams from the same conference in a national championship game, it's been the SEC. So by by that same token, it would kind of be nice to get a little variety, even if we're following that same storyline. Especially uh, with and a then, legendary Especially with, with this rivalry. They're not just any two teams from the same conference. They are they, two teams that define that gonna... conference. It's it's gonna be a hell of a fight, especially with that that forty five to twenty three like victory still fresh on the mind. Oh yeah, like I I think it's gonna be hard fought. But which, as, my as my I, answer I have two answers for who I think is gonna win the championship. I have the one I okay. team I want and the one team that I think is actually gonna. And the team that mm-hmm. I want to win is TCU. I want the Horned yeah. Frogs to go all the way. Um. They carry that same energy that the Bearcats did when they went. That's who I want. Mm-hmm. Who do I think? I think realistically it's going to be Georgia. I think Georgia is just oh, yeah. too built. I think I, I think realistically Georgia is my pick. Um, I think Ohio State is is a dark horse with a lot more potential than I think people are giving them credit for. I think if if they learn from the way that they gave that if if they learn from the way that Michigan beat them late in that game then I think they have a better chance than people and the numbers are saying right now uh, but yeah I'd, I'd love a TCU win as well um, even though it is probably the biggest opportunity for some of the NCAA designated computer rankings to end up with. Okay, back back up. Mm. TCU right now is probably the farthest down of any of these four in most computer rankings, which the NCAA says these these computer rankings, the ones that used to make up the BCS rankings, have the power to name uh, national champions still even though we have a playoff now, and even though that playoff is expanding, that's how you got stuff like UCF in 2017 claiming a national championship. It wasn't just because they beat a team who beat the actual national champions. It was because one of those computer ranking systems named them national champions. Um, And I think with, with TCU being where they are now in some of those ranking systems, I think that gives you the biggest potential for that, that that I guess you'd call maybe a split national championship in a sense, not in the same sense that you would have had before the BCS, but I'm I'm putting that out there. I don't, I, don't, I I'm not you know cheering against it for that reason, but I think it's something interesting to consider. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um there were some other bowl games that I wanted to cover. Uh, people might not realize that there are a lot of bowl games outside the new year six and there there are ones outside the new year six that are actually worth paying attention to this year um one of those games is coming up very soon is is on friday december 16th and that would be the cure bowl um now in fbs we have 10 conferences so 
we get 10 conference champions. Right now, the New Year's Six is not does not feature any teams, does not feature any two conference champions playing each other. We could get we could get one of those if Georgia and Michigan make the final. But right now there's only one bowl game this year that is guaranteed to give us two conference champions against each other. And it's mm-hmm. something I alluded to earlier when I was talking about Tulane and the group of five. And that's because Troy and UTSA are playing in the Cure Bowl uh, later this week uh, on the 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's that I think that's in Orlando. Um, they're two 11 and two teams with, uh, I mean, UTSA especially has a high powered offense. Uh, Frank Harris just announced that he's going to be returning for a seventh year at, at UTSA. Uh, the stuff has allowed him to continue playing and, and he, he, he's, he's, he is a power there. Um, I'm really excited to see how this game goes. And actually this game is why I insisted on, uh, Kyle and I covering college football, uh, in this episode, I wanted to make sure that we were able to cover that. Um, you, you don't usually get two 11 win teams playing this early on in a bowl season but we have it with the Cure Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Like, I think anytime you get teams that are that dominant um, playing each other, I think you're just going to get an explosive fight no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to get see that with these teams, albeit they probably don't get the same attention and hype as Mm -hmm. other teams do. But I do think that they're going to definitely put on a show. Yes. So... Um, the next bowl I wanted to cover was uh, one that's also taking place in Orlando, coincidentally, and that would be the Cheez-It Bowl, mm. uh, which <laughs> the cheesiest, uh, which, you know, uh, they're, they're doing some uh, some cool uh, branding stuff with like uh, people being able to stay in Cheez-It branded rooms on the stadium the night before the game. Uh, so if you're into that and you're cheering for Florida State or Oklahoma, hey, throw your name in the ring. But the reason I bring up the Cheez-It Bowl is because of Florida State and Oklahoma. Florida State is ranked 13th in this the, the final college football playoff rankings. They're 9-3. and three. Oklahoma is not ranked and are 6-6 six and six on the season, 3-6 and six in conference, which puts them in a tie for 7th in the Big 12. Now, you had... Two teams from the Big 12 in the New Year's Six. That would be Kansas State and TCU. Uh, the Cheez-It Bowl gets to take... So the Alamo Bowl gets to take... Tech, they get to take a team after after the New Year's Six does their thing with the Big 12. And then the Cheez-It Bowl is next in line. So the Cheez-It Bowl could have gotten a couple teams that are better than Oklahoma in the Big 12 standings. But they went for a team that finished seventh. And... When I dig into some of the analytics and some of the numbers, for a six and six team that is three and six in their conference, Oklahoma is a is a much better matchup for Florida State than I think people are going to give them credit for. And I think it could become sort of a version of what we got last year when uh, BYU finished, I think, twelfth in the final uh, rankings, which wasn't enough to get them into the New Year's Six. 
even though I, I was saying back then they had an argument for it. Um, I, I think this is, and, and they lost their bowl game, I should say. BYU lost their bowl game after not making the New Year Six. And so I think this could be setting us, us up for something similar. I don't think Florida State has, I don't think it was as much of a letdown for them as that was with BYU. But that's one to watch. If you are looking for a game that is going to be a closer matchup than I think some people are are thinking, if you're looking for a stadium full of surprised fans of the of the favorite going into the game, you should be watching the Cheez It Bowl with Florida State and Oklahoma. That's on December 29th at 5:30 p.m. Eastern. Other than uh, one, one, one other bowl game that I wanted to know real quickly mm-hmm. is the Camellia Bowl. Uh, that, that would be on December 27th, noon Eastern. And that features two six and six group of five teams, which might not seem terribly exciting to a lot of people, but there's a story here. There's a story here that I don't think is, is getting a whole lot of attention. And that would be that Georgia Southern's quarterback, Kyle Vantries, transferred away from Buffalo after last season. Uh, after last season when uh-huh. Buffalo had to play Buffalo had to play a year without Lance Leipold, who is now the head coach at Kansas. He was hired away from Buffalo kind of late in the offseason. So they played a year without him and they struggled. And Van Trees decided to transfer away. He transferred to Georgia Southern, who just hired um, the guy that uh, USC just fired, Clay Helton, I think. Um, and so they, they've also just started moving away from their old triple option setup on offense. They're, they're doing more traditional things. I think you could maybe even say that it's, it's closer to an air raid offense. But what it's, what it's resulted in is quarterback going up against his former team in maybe the last game of his college career. So I'm... It's poetic. It is poetic. And um, even if it's not the most exciting game uh, in terms of anything else, watch it for that. Watch it to see, you know, does, does does he prove something that he wasn't able to prove when he was at the university at Buffalo. Um, and then the last game, the last game outside the new year six that I wanted to touch on is the music city bowl. And this one's going to get overlooked because it's also on new year's Eve, same day as some of the other new year six games, but the music city bowl this year features Iowa and Kentucky. And I noted this down as by far the most likely of the bowl games this season to be scoreless at the end of regulation. Let that sink in. These are two teams that rank in the top 20 in scoring defense. They are some of the best at not letting other teams score. But in terms of scoring offense, Both of them are outside the top 100 in FBS, outside the top 100 of a group of 131 teams. So they don't let other teams score. 
They also don't really score a whole lot themselves, but they're both seven and five. Um, you know, on on paper, it would seem that Kentucky's offense versus Iowa's defense is the more interesting of the two, because Kentucky has the higher scoring offense, but Iowa has the more stingy defense. They're they're better at Kentucky. They're better than Kentucky's defense at preventing other teams from scoring. But Kentucky has already seen their quarterback, Will Levis, declare for the draft, and he's considered, you know, a, 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 an early first round potential guy. And they've already seen some of their their other players on offense either declare for the draft or enter the portal. And so it's if one of these teams ends up scoring, I don't know, more than 10 points in this game, it's going to be because yeah. of something we're not expecting. Big day. This is the type of game that ends like seven to nothing or six to three. This is the opposite of a Michigan Ohio State game. <clears throat> this is where... the opposite of um, one of the FCS tournament games that happened this past weekend, which is a nice segue because yep. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, the postseason and how it's going for other divisions of football. Um, this past weekend, uh, we we saw the quarterfinals of the SCS playoffs. All all the top eight teams in that tournament made it to this round. So if you don't know, the FCS, which is the lower subdivision of Division One, has a twenty-four team playoff. They take the top eight teams from from the 24 that they're putting in and they seed them one through eight naturally. And then those, those eight teams get a bye and they play the winner from, uh, from a game in the first round that usually takes place pretty geographically close to them. So the other 16 teams aren't seeded. They're just paired together geographically and they're usually put together with a seeded team that is geographically close. And so the quarterfinals had all those top eight teams advanced and three of the top four teams won their games to advance to the semifinals. The one exception was that number seven incarnate word, uh, uh, the Cardinals there in Texas, yep. they beat the Sacramento state Hornets 66 to 63. Mm. I believe I went to bed that night around when the third quarter ended. And the score was maybe half of that score total at that point. They they scored a lot of points in that final quarter. Um, and it has put, I believe, uh, Walter Payton Award frontrunner, Lindsey Scott. Uh, it, it's put him in position to set the record for touchdowns responsible for by, I think, NCAA overall. I, th I think he's on the verge of setting the all-divisions record for touchdowns responsible for, which would be both passing and rushing. Um, and he's got a chance. Um, as the number seven team, they are going to be playing in Fargo at the number three North Dakota State Bison. Um, as I said, we were going to get to them. And, <laughs> I, I mean... 
it'll it'll be exciting because on the one hand you have this really electric quarterback who has really played himself into something that people weren't expecting from a guy who's in I think at least his sixth year of college play. Um, but he just transferred in and he's been electric for them. And I think it's going to be this really interesting thing of this guy going into a team that has been a powerhouse at the FCS level for over a decade now. And who emerges on top, the the old blood or this this new kid on the block? And the winner of that game will advance to uh, the championship, which I believe is held in Frisco, Texas. Uh, so maybe a little bit of a homecoming for the Cardinals if they should pull off the upset. They would be playing the winners of uh, South Dakota State, who are the top overall seed in this tournament, and the number four Montana State Bobcats, mm -hmm. which has implications because last year, this same matchup happened and the, the Bobcats upset South Dakota state in Brookings. And so does that happen again? I, I Montana state has been coming off hot at the, at the tail end of the season. They just got back a running back for the playoffs that they didn't have all the regular season. He had surgery in the off season, Isaiah Fonse. Um, so does history repeat or do the Jackrabbits exercise the demons uh, that have been haunting themselves since uh, since a year ago. And do we get a Dakota State championship? Yeah. It'd be a nice change of pace. I, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it, it would be interesting, you know, we could have just like in FBS, we could have a, a rivalry in the final. We could have South Dakota State and North Dakota State. Battle of the Dakotas. Yes. Which Dakota is better? <clears throat> Loser has to be called Dakota Two from now on. Yes, I I agree. Forget this North and South. If you if we get yeah. to the Dakota Bowl and you lose, you are no longer North or South. You are just Dakota mm -hmm. Two. You're the second best Dakota. Yeah. Now moving on to Division Two, um, the way that is set up. They don't allow for that sort of thing. Um, but there is still sort of a connection between the two teams that will be playing for a national championship this weekend. So Division Two is already at that stage. The way Division Two football is set up, there are four super regions, which are roughly geographic. Uh, there's, there's a northeast, there's a southeast, there's a kind of midwest and a west. And uh, seven teams from each of those super regions are put into a bracket. Get. Uh, the number one team gets a first round bye. And then eventually you're, you you get one team left from each of those regions. And those teams are reseeded one through four. And they, they play some, they play their semifinals. And now we have left two teams. And they are the one and the two from that reseeding. You have number one, Ferris State. And the number two, Colorado School of Mines. You know, like like mining and stuff. Uh, and the interesting thing is that they were both the two seeds in their super regions. Uh, Fair State had one regular season loss. Uh, Mines had two regular season losses, and it was actually in their first two games of the season. So they started 0-2. Now they're in the 
the national championship game. And one of their losses was against the same team that gave Ferris State their only regular season loss. And that was the one seed in Super Region 3, the Grand Valley State Lakers. Um, so, interestingly, no matter who ends up winning this national championship, uh, Grand Valley State beat, the, beat them at some point this year. And in the, in the semifinals, the national semifinals for this division, we saw uh, Colorado Mines just take apart uh, the Shepherd Rams, who are quarterbacked by the reigning uh, D2 Heisman-type award, the Harlan Hill Trophy, uh, Tyson Bajan, who is considered probably one of the best NFL quarterback prospects that Division II has had in a long time. Um, and Mines just contained him. And I think John Matosha, the quarterback for Mines, ended up showing why that award should be his to lose this year. And then Division Three, not super exciting. We have the top two teams in the polls, North Central and uh, Mount Union, two powerhouses who have been responsible for some, some recent Division Three championships and um yeah Div division three is probably in 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 terms of getting variation at the top in in national champions in national championships division three is probably the least varied um but but they are guaranteed a an undefeated national champion at this point uh, either north central or mount union will end up winning this one um, they both have uh, finalists for the Gallardi Trophy, which uh, we have some connection to a former Gallardi Trophy winner and runner-up the year after in Jackson Erdman. So one, one of these teams could end up producing someone who wins that same award. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And finally, we have... Uh, one one last thing that I wanted to talk about was NAIA, which is a separate organization from the NCAA. They have their national championship uh, this weekend as well. They have a 16-team playoff. And this year, they have the three-seed Northwestern, not, not the Northwestern Wildcats near Chicago. It's Northwestern Iowa. They're the three seed, and they're playing the 12th seed out of this 16-team tournament, the Kaiser Seahawks. So it's number three versus number 12. Kaiser is a super interesting story to me. They are a three-loss team. They won, their, they won their conference, so they automatically qualified. But their three losses all came against NCAA teams, so basically higher division teams. Um. But also, they're, they're from a conference that I think tends to get overlooked and underestimated. But this team, as the 12th seed, has gone on the road for their first three playoff games. And they beat an undefeated team in each of those first three playoff stops. And so, if you're a fan of underdog stories, if you're a fan of a team being you know, underestimated and overlooked... 
and then going on and doing something like that, you should consider tuning in for the NAIA championship game. Um, I don't, I don't have right offhand where you could do that. Uh, so if you have listened to this show and you've, and you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, and you want to know how you can watch this, you know, possible David versus Goliath story come to a fulfilling close. Catch me, catch me, you know, in the, in the FCSE discord, catch me on Twitter at Freddie underscore airmail. Uh, catch me somewhere and you know hopefully I can I can hook you up if you remind me. But I mean, how does that sound? I mean, it sounds like we just put together a hell of a show. That's what it sounds like. I yeah, I I I feel very fulfilled right now. Hell yeah. Uh, maybe Kaiser will end up feeling a little, at least a little bit more fulfilled than I do right now for recording an episode of a podcast. I've never been in a football locker room, but I would imagine winning a football game feels pretty good. I'm guessing. <laughs> I mean, I've watched football before, so I yeah, feel like it's, it's a good same. guess. It's the same. I've thing. seen some. I've seen some football before, Kyle. Yeah, I would. I would imagine. <laughs> Man, so yeah, don't forget, uh, FBS Bowl season starts December 16th, and the weekend of the 16th and 17th, you can catch uh, action all the way from FBS, FCS, Division II, Division III, NAIA, and probably more. There's there's so much football around the world these days that uh, it's hard for even someone like me to keep track of it all. Um, so I hope you enjoy that. If that's something you, you go for. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Freddy stat go, but for now I'm Freddy, he's stat and we got to go. <laughs>